JD Talking Sports. It is Monday, March 30th, 2020. Michigan sent me, gave me the funniest meme. It was a, what the heck was it? Yeah, Nacho Average Gym. I'm thinking of opening a women's gym, but on the inside, it's a Mexican restaurant. I thought that was Rachel, who, who wrote this? Rachel Walls, I don't tweet. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. And all the freaking, all the Dunkin' Donuts are closed. And Michigan drinks iced tea. So she has to make her own goddamn iced tea. I mean, it's just crazy, man. It's not essential. So it's closed. We went we went out today for a little walk. It's a ghost town. And I'm, you know, you keep hearing about people getting sick and everything. I don't want to be out there. So I'm like, you know, I'm just, I say, you know what? I got to keep it real. I got to keep, not keep it real. I got to keep, do the sports. There's not a lot to talk about. But what there is to talk about, let's just put it out there. Because that's the fun stuff, right? There's no sports right now. We're looking forward to the draft, April 23rd through 25th for NFL. But the problem is, is that's when they're saying the freaking bad shit's supposed to come and we're supposed to get really hit by the apex of this coronavirus. And Adam Schefter said, you should put up a round every goddamn night. I, I think it's a great idea. Be great entertainment. Every night I could watch a round of the draft because you have nothing right now. You'd watch two, as I said, you'd watch two cockroaches. You'd watch anything right now. Joey Bumbles is betting on freaking horse races. I was like, what? He said, there's horse races in Florida. He was betting on horse races this weekend. I said, I'm not that desperate. I'm not going to watch horse races. I mean, I watch the Kentucky Derby, Derby once in a while, but I'm not watching that stuff. And everybody was talking. We were all talking to each other. Now, people, you know, we're stuck inside. Now, everybody knows, oh, this isn't ending anytime soon. I watched The Tiger King, and I'm not going to give anything away, but it's batshit crazy, and I don't need to watch any more stuff about batshit crazy people. But I can see why people need a diversion from what's going on right now. And I am in... Last episode of Ozark Season 3. It is freaking phenomenal. Also, a great app I talked to with my buddy Harris is House Party. And I found one of my old clients on there who I want to... I want to get... I'm trying to find... uh, A a woman I used to train I just saw on here. So I'm going to try to get her on for... uh, which would be kind of cool because I haven't, I haven't talked to her in a long time. And my dad's texting me. Uh, my father <laughs> got a check for two dollars and forty-seven cents, and uh, he says, "What do you want me to do with it?" I said, "You or you can keep it." I, I I don't know. My father. Yeah, that's my father's right now. I just, it just kills me. It's just funny. And my buddy Bill, I was talking to my buddy Bill. Yeah. But I like the idea of the draft every day. Now, this is the thing they're saying, well, you know, what's going to happen with the draft and all that stuff? And w- could they cancel it because of what's happening right now? And I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. And I love John Oliver. We had listen to John Oliver, who has to do a sh- he's doing a show now remotely, so he's got no audience. He said the funniest fr- freaking thing. He said he's worried that he'll reach the the end page of Netflix. A sign will come up, and he'll say, "Look what you've done to yourself." <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. He gets to the end of Netflix. It's like the end of Ferris Bueller. You're still here. Go home. <laughs> Stop. You've gone too far. But watch Ozark. Ozark's really freaking good. And I do. I like Adam Schefter. Yeah, I like that idea. And just how volatile is today's NFL? Listen to this. Six coaches and four general managers who picked a first-round quarterback in the last three drafts, that's 11 total quarterbacks picked, were fired before he reached his second season. 
And should he tank for Trevor for next year? And they're saying, oh, you know, he started off last year bad, and then he finished the season. He didn't play well in the championship game. Guy can play ball. You know, everybody can have a bad fucking game. Dan Marino didn't play a good Super Bowl. You can say that Brady didn't play a great Super Bowl when they were made a great pass. But would you say that uh, Pat Mahomes didn't have a good couple quarters in the Super Bowl this year? Garoppolo started off great, didn't end well. And Justin Fields would tank for Justin Fields. We'll see where that happens. Now, Kershaw, then I started about the Major League. Clayton Kershaw says if it's ended season too long, it will roll into the next season. You need time to recover. These guys get paid a lot of fucking money. And I hear what he's saying on one hand that they need time off. But, you know, the NBA, you know, when you have playoffs and everything, you have a much shorter offseason than the other guys. Hockey, too. You play the whole season. That's the breaks. Some teams have longer uh, offseasons than others. I think you get paid a lot of money. Deal with it. And you know what's another crazy thing? The mob is taking a hit. Think about it. No gambling because there's no real sports. Some horse racing. But no every football. It would be football. It would be football. Right now, we March Madness. They lost money and all that. Also, no restaurants open. No construction really going on. Mob is taking a big hit. I bet you didn't think about that stuff. That's what JD talking sports strategy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Even Evan, my PT guy's listening. He likes the show, which I love. So I've been sending it to everybody. You know, we need stuff. We need to talk about some stuff. I know Chris is saying, oh, I'm not talking about sports. There's a lot going on out there. I got a lot in this head. I couldn't sleep last night. I was up. I watched freaking four episodes of freaking Ozark. Couldn't fall asleep. Tried to take a sleeping pill. I still couldn't fall asleep. And I had a crash this morning, which was not good. But, you know. That's what JD does. And I constantly look for stuff to talk about. Uh, Steve Kerr was talking about how comparing uh, coronavirus, what did we compare it to? He said, shock value, he said 9 11. I remember that morning after I went to my kids' school to check on them, I went and shot baskets because it was cathartic. And I remember watching the World Series. He paused. That's one of the great things about sports. You turn to it when you need an escape and you're going through a difficult time. And so this is pretty unique when sports are they're, they're, they're turned off. Now, there are more important things, I agree. Now, people's helping, number one, people's livelihood and jobs, number two. I don't think anyone's feeling sorry for themselves because they can't watch sports, but it's just weird. It's a strange vibe not to go home and turn on sports to escape. Exactly. To escape. And you had to suspend the games. You had to. The feeling that the world as we knew it no longer exists, which is, I totally agree. And that's the thing. You missed the escape. After 9-11 happened, we went back to sports, and the Yankees lost the World Series to Arizona Diamondbacks. You every day, New York, you felt you were root. They, you felt they were playing for you, and they lost. You know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that even in a thing when you think everything should fall into place, and the Yan- and the Yankees should win the World Series because after what happened nine eleven and the Twin Towers, no, they lost. That's what I love about sports. It doesn't go by a script. It doesn't always go the way you want it to. But you still watch the games, and it hurts, whatever. But it was great watching. It got you mind escape and everything that was going on. It was really freaking cool. And then I read about NCA. so the last public tax filing, you know, about the March Madness, how much they ended up paying out, for the, paying out to the teams. The last public tax filing from 2018, the organization, organization listed $425 million in assets down from $718 million in 2014, while annual expenses eclipsed $1 billion. So what happened to reserves? So in 2016, the association allocated $200 million to D1 schools to subsidize programs for athletes. In 2017, they created a $208 million fund resulting from a class action lawsuit tied to paying for athletes' full cost of attendance. In 2018, another $70 million was earmarked for a concussion settlement. And now the association is caught in what is poised to be a protracted and costly fight over name, image, and likeness payments for athletes. You know, it started with... uh, the guy, uh, Ed O'Bannon, 
With healthy reserves and insurance policy, a lost tournament might simply be a $900 million blip, but thanks to some costly systematic issues, the impact on the NCAA and its members could be more profound, which is kind of interesting. So all these things happen, and you have one down year, and you would think they would have tons of reserves, but they got all this shit going on. And you know what? Even in the best of times, people aren't prepared for this shit. So it's very interesting, you know, but you know what? And this thing, fighting over their name, image, and likeness, that's going to go on for a while. Because these athletes, you know, you sell my Saquon Barkley when I'm playing at Penn State and I don't see a fucking dime of it. That would piss me off, too. Now, the Olympics are set for 2021, July 23rd opening ceremonies through August 8th, 2021. All right, we'll see how that works out. The Paralympics will go from August 23rd to September, through September 4th. Yeah, I mean, it had to happen, right? I mean, we hope. I mean, you know, what are you, gonna, you, know you don't know what's going to happen. Baseball, when's going to start? When's basketball going to start? When is everything going to start? Because we don't have an ending to this right now. So all this is just circumstantial. What do you want to call it? It's just, there's no, we have no, yeah, we don't know. It's the unknown. So we are going to unknown time. And our fans are going to want to pack, pack stadiums. They're going to look at the person next to them. I don't know. Are they going to make restaurants with seat, with less seating? Are they going to make football stadiums where you sit one person apart? And, and a basketball and sporting arenas. I don't know if it's going to go that far. Kids going to be playing in masks all the time. Are they going to play in hazmat suits? I don't know. I hope not. But are people going to shake hands and hug each other? I think that's not going to be, I think it's going to hold up for quite a while. Now, Sabrina, yeah, uh, Yanescu, LeBron called her Queen Sabrina, but she really connected with with Kobe. Now they, uh, Yanescu's uh, junior season after the retired Lakers star brought uh, Gianna to an Oregon game in Los Angeles and left impressed. He called her Geppetto, breaking down her game for ESPN, the Puppet Master. He called her. Yanescu uh, spent a weekend coaching Gianna her team alongside Brian and he became a trusted guide. They spoke on the phone and texted back and forth. You know, season went on and she added more games to her NCAA record for triple-doubles. Brian gave her a single, simple game, recognizes game recognition. I see you. Like Brian, Ionescu had struggled to relate to teammates. Nobody worked as hard. Nobody seemed to take losses in the same soul-crushing way. Oregon coach Kelly Graves said that during Ionescu's freshman and sophomore seasons, there were times when she would be sharp with teammates and they would shut down. It was brutal, she said. She had changed the fortunes of a middling team that had been to the NCAA tournament that had been not that had been the NCAA tournament in 2005. They went to the Elite Eight in their first two seasons, made the Final Four this past season. And she said there were times she felt isolated from teammates. She goes, how competitive I am. There was nobody to compare to that. There was just kind of a this separation between me and the team. Now, this is the thing that pissed, you know, the problem with Bryant and I, you know, was that he isolated teammates. And UNESCO to, re, to re, realize this, that there was just a kind of a separation between me and the team. That began changing when she focused on reaching out to each player around her, seeking understanding and common ground. She'd figure out the nuances of how to, how to connect, uh, her coach said. Now, in her junior year, during the last seconds of a home loss to UCLA, a teammate failed to help her get, help get an easy rebound. So Ionescu fouled out and then stalked to the sideline, steaming. Someone handed her a water bottle. She slammed to the court. As the clock went down, she stood apart from the action. She came to realize that she needed to make amends. So they had a tense meeting not long after the game. She opened up the teammates about how much she cried cared for each of them, about the pressure she faced, about the difficulty that came with ever-increasing attention and expectations. On paper napkins, some of them stained with tears. Each player wrote a promise to the other. And uh, she, Ionescu, penned a single word, assurance. She vowed to never let them down again. She said that set the tone for the team became last season. She said uh, they went to the Final Four, which ended at a close semifinal loss to Baylor, the eventual champion. She told Now, she told Colby about this, and he said, what, you had to apologize? Oh, that's soft. 
But then, which is good, fine, this is good that Kobe, you know, came to this. He goes, you know what? That was probably the right thing to do. You need to know that this is not how a leader should be. You know, she said, uh, the tragedy also brought unexpected perspective, even a sense of peace. She said, Inescu's goal for her senior seasons had been to win it all, and she, that should not happen. She was still driven and obsessive, but she realized that winning isn't everything. She goes, I learned to embrace the journey more, the moments more, the hard journey, all of it. Nothing is promised. That's the thing. Nothing is fucking promised in life. There aren't any guarantees. No, there aren't any guarantees. That sometimes you, 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 work, you work hard, you put the work, and you still don't get, you don't win. You don't get, you don't get that closure. He goes, it's more, she said, it's more like the fear of the unknown, not really knowing what is going to happen next. For me, it's when the WNBA might start. What about the draft? What does the future have in store? Is there going to be a season? Are they going to push it back? I don't have answers to any of that. I don't have answers at all. And thank you, Kurt Streeter at New York Times. That's what everybody's feeling right now. Like, when are we going to go back to work? I'm supposed to start my kids' classes May 2nd. That's not fucking happening. So until we get some normalcy and we get this under control, which isn't happening. So I think we all got to just sit tight and listen to JD find some sports shit to talk about. Because that article about Sabina... Uh, Ionescu, I always say her last name wrong. She is a fucking, to have that much passion and realizing that it was too much and her teammates couldn't handle that kind of stuff. And she had to take a step back and say, this is what a leader does. And then Kobe calling her soft and saying, you know what? You, no, you, to be a leader, you can't be a fucking dick. You can't isolate everybody. You can have that drive, whatever. Not everybody's going to be like you. You have to realize that. But everybody has something of value they can bring to the team. And she realized that stuff. And I love reading stuff like that. So pretty cool. And then I was reading this about the, 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 the Bucks compared to the Patriots and Brady. Brady's been at 10 more Pro Bowls than all other Bucks quarterbacks. In the 44th season of the franchise, Brady's been named to the Pro Bowl 14 times. Buck quarterbacks have been named four times, one each for, for Winston, Trent Dilfer, Jeff Garcia, and Brad Johnson. The four quarterbacks who have started the most games in Buck history are Trent Dilfer with 76 starts, Testoverty was 72, Winston with 70, and Doug Williams, who I thought played for a lot longer with them, 67. They made 284 starts. Brady is 283. Now, Brady's won 219 games. Those four quarterbacks have won 123. Dilfer was 38 and 38 as a buck, which is actually a pretty good record. Williams was 33, 33 and 1. Winston was 28 and 42. And Testaverde, who was number one pick in the draft, went 24 and 48. Brady's winning percentage is 774. The Bucks quartet was 433, but better teams. Brady has 541 touchdown passes, 179 interceptions. The Bucks four, 341 touchdown passes, 353 interceptions. Tom Brady has 200 more touchdown passes in one fewer game than, the, than, the, than those four quarterbacks. 200 more touchdown passes in one fewer game. And Brady's the fifth Bucks quarterback who has won a Super Bowl in his career and the third who was an MVP in a Super Bowl. Only one, Brad Johnson, won a championship with the Bucks. Williams won his with the Skins. Steve Young won his with the Niners. Dilfer was the starting quarterback for the Super Bowl champion Ravens. This used to be a running joke with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I wonder how long before he wins the Super Bowl once he leaves. They haven't had the best track record in signing free agents. They've had 26 double-digit losing records, including a streak of 12 in a row. So they got J Johnson was a great signing. Jeff Garcia was a good signing. They got Simeon Rice, Vincent Jackson. But Vincent Jackson was back in 2012. Just interesting. Now, ESPN's Bob McClellan grew up in Central Florida, and his father bought six Buccaneer season tickets in '76. His brother maintains four of them to this day, which is that's pretty freaking cool. That is pretty freaking cool. But how about that? Now you can't really compare the Bucks to Brady. Brady's his own, the goat. But it's still interesting to hear all those stats, and it's going to be interesting this season because they said that even with him gone, 
they still don't have a goddamn tight end. They have roughly $1 million in cap space. So they might go with Stidman. They might go with Hoyer. They might go with Cody Kessler. They've been unable to replace Gronk. Uh, they tried to sign Jared Cook in 2019. The team resorted to using Ben Watson, who retired, Brian Izzo, and Matt LaClosse, a group which posted 36 catches, 418 yards, two touchdowns. They, even, they had fewer yards, fewer catches, fewer yards, and fewer touchdowns than those of former Bengals tight end Tyler Eifert, who was in a terrible Bengals offense. So Eifert got two years, $15 million with the Jaguars as well, as he said, which he wasn't going to pay for. And he didn't want to pay Jeremy Graham, who got a two-year, $60 million deal with the Bears. And, yeah, Ben Watson retired. You got Julian Edelman. That's your Now, now listen, Mohamed Sanu could come back. He was hurt last season. Nikhil Harry's second-year league. Phil Dorsett is gone. Yeah, but they don't have a goddamn tight end. They think Harry and Jacoby Myers were rookies. You know, Sanu had a serious ankle injury. But we'll see what happens. And is it when Lacoste? I mean, you don't really have a tight end. They could trade for in- Ingram, uh, Browns, David Njoku. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. They could draft a tight end. I don't know, but that's the thing. They have. And you, that's what everybody said. You don't have Gronk, and you miss Gronk, and and this, and that's the thing. I'm not going to say anything about Belichick until the season's goddamn over. Because. You know, they'll go 12-4 and four next season, and it'll, he'll just shut me up. But I was like, God damn, that's fucking crazy, right? And Penn, listen to this. Penn State head coach James Franklin. So he, this is a story from the York Dilly Record. We won't go in the weight room with other people there. So he said, uh, you know, social distancing at the gym. He's trying to use a gym where he lives, where he lives only when there isn't anyone else in there. But he's running a bit of a problem. There's someone else who he said is dominating the weight room. So he did what any, you know, sensible adult might do. He grabbed a pair of dumbbells to use in his house. He said, I took the 25-pound dumbbells and brought them up to our condo because I couldn't get in there. Guy was dominating the weight room. Then he left a, left a nasty note. Whoever stole 25-pound weights, could you bring them back? So then I wrote a little note that said, well, could you stop dominating the weight room for three hours a day? He goes, well, I'll try to get one day. Said, well, well, can't we all just get along with one set of dumbbells? Can't, you have to spend th- so this guy's spending three hours in the fucking gym, and the head coach of the Penn State has to steal fucking. That was funny. He's stealing dumbbells. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, that was pretty freaking funny. And this guy is sending me all these dirty videos, and I'm like, I'm like, I can't pass all this stuff on. I gotta be careful. And I, you know, I saw a picture of freaking uh, Chunky Chunk, freaking. Um, Baker Mayfield, you know, Baker, keep your shirt on. You don't look great. You look a little chunky chunk. Oh, and Michigan said, there's no way in hell that you're shaving your hair off. Oh, and the Cowboys signed Greg Zerline, three-year, $7.5 million deal. He, he had a cannon leg. I always liked him. Posted some videos. Man, you, it's it's dead. It is dead. Yeah. Baker, I think you should keep your freaking shirt on. Uh, yeah, it's not a good look for you. Found some pictures of Peanut. Yeah, Michigan said, do not shave your head. So they got Greg Zerline and Don Terry Poe to a tier deal worth of $10.5 million. I like Poe. Zerline has booted, booted three, 33 field goals for 50 yards, or 50 yards or more, which is tied with Adam Vinatieri for fourth in the NFL over that span behind Prater, Justin Tucker. So Matt Prater is the most 50-yard field goals. Wow. 
Oh, since the two since two thousand twelve. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's that's that's. Yeah. Oh, and he include he had fifty seven yarder in overtime. That was team win the NFC Championship game against the Saints in the Super Bowl in two thousand eighteen, which sent the Rams to the Super Bowl. And Post still could do some stuff. Yeah, be all right. Oh, and there was a this guy, the Wanderer, nineteen eighty on Instagram, post stuff. He goes, "It's the guy and girl are in bed together." She goes, "I bet he's thinking about other women." He goes, "What if the coronavirus cancels Stanley Cup playoffs?" See, I thought there's just some funny memes up there that just make me laugh. You know, just stuff that makes you laugh. Oh, and there's a series about. Outcry premieres on Showtime. Five-part docuseries. A case against Greg Kelly, a high school football star from... Uh, he committed to UT San Antonio. He was charged with... Something with a minor. Yeah, I gotta watch this. So this is coming this week. It's a five-part series, docuseries. Yeah. Yeah, pretty funny. I was reading something else. Oh, and I love this. The Jaguar King with uh, Gardner Minshew. He is the Jaguar King. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, and I was doing, I'm, I've been listening to uh, <laughs> 1980s, uh, MTV 1980 classics. They're pretty freaking funny. And this is a walk, work at home tip. Walk around in your bikini instead of your pajamas to help you with refrigerated distancing. I just go around in a Speedo. That usually helps me a lot. I feel better. Yeah, you know, I read this too. I live alone, but I'm frightened of loneliness, reflecting on missing friendships, sports, and food in the time of the coronavirus. I could see that if you're living alone. There's no real sports. At least, you know, other stuff, you had stuff to watch, you could unwind. It was stuff. But now there's, I mean, you just binge watch, which they say is a very depressing thing to do. But at least the pot, pot sales are going through the roof. Business is up a lot. People are smoking a lot more weed, which is good. And I asked uh, Rhonda how far she is, was away from Joe Exotic. She said an hour. James Dolan has uh, the coronavirus. And uh, they said, how Oklahoma are you? Someone posted, are you Kevin Durant, Blake Shelton, or Joe Exotic? I thought that was and yeah. Yeah, every joke, there's a lot of funny. And Skip Bayless, Skip Bayless is a fucking moron. He said, remember if Ray Allen had an, uh, followed a LeBrick three to tie with the greatest clutch shot in NBA history, LeBron would now be two and seven in finals, two and seven, and he's the GOAT, stop it. He won in Cleveland. You got to give him something for that. He won in fucking Cleveland. Has to count for something. Oh, and Bobby Abair Sr. died from the coronavirus. Bobby Abair Jr., you know, Saints quarterback, and then his son was a center for the LSU Tigers. Died at 81. And the talk, now this is a guy, I was talking about guys who have to have a good year next year. Jonathan Abrams, who played one game, suffered a shoulder injury in the opener against the Rams. He could hit. He looked like he was going to be good, but... This is the year he's got to step up. He bought his mom a house, too, this offseason. And Stefan Marbury wanted to sell masks. I was looking at that. I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, and and uh, Joey Gallo set up a batting cage in his apartment. I mean, honestly, that's a lot of fucking. He goes, my neighbors are going to hate me. Dude, you can't have a... That's fucking crazy. And I saw this kid named Hollywood Demas, who's going to go play at Texas A&M on Instagram this kid has some major major hops I mean he is like amazing I, I just I was just very impressed yeah the mob 
oh my god and then we were watching John Oliver and he's talking about this painter who writes who does the erotic like mice having sex it was the craziest thing I ever saw and then I was trying we watched um, some kind of wonderful and I couldn't I was looking for the song Turn to the Sky by the March Violets it's a good song they're talking about the top picks it's going to be Fields Justin uh, Trevor Lawrence Jalen Waddell for Alabama Jamar Chase who broke SEC records with 20 touchdowns 1780 receiving yards at SEC Travis Etienne but the thing is he's taken a lot he already has 518 carries in college will it affect him when he goes to the pros I mean Trevor Lawrence is going to be a beast and I think Justin Field will be good too Patrick Sertain Jr he's also a good one Yeah, and then, uh, th- you know, what the, Ian Eagle said that if, you know, the season goes into June, that maybe freaking Kyrie can come back with from the um, shoulder surgery. We'll see how that works out. Oh, and the Browns. 2017, they uh, loaded in 2017 for passing on the question marks with an eye towards Sam Darnold, Josh Rose in 2018. They didn't take Patrick Mahomes or... Pa- Deshaun Watson, they ended up taking Baker Mayfield over Darnold and Rosen, and they have fired two general managers, two head coaches since then. I mean, Baker Mayfield, this is a put up or shut up year for him, man. And look, Giannis went 15th in 2013 to the Bucks. Another guy, you know, some guys, you know, Marino went late in the draft. Uh, Emmett Smith went late in the draft. They're going to make mistakes. They're talking about that this year with the NFL draft. You know, they can't do visits with the players and all this stuff. It's going to be interesting how the draft's going to go this year. But Giannis's little brother is playing basketball. He's increased his scoring average nearly 30 a game, despite averaging two fewer minutes than he did last season. So he's going to be, he's a beast. And his father had a bit of wisdom. Always want more, but never be greedy. That's what their father always said to them. He died from a heart attack. Olympics coming back. That's always good. Oh, and Shaq was in the Tiger King, and his camera goes, he says, not friends with Joe Exotic after appearing. He, you know, he just fucking showed up at the freaking place. Let's get... And uh, Houston Texans and Laramie Tunsil are working on a new multi-year extension, which is good, because I know I know what you McCall will be happy about that. will be... Um... Hell. All right. Let us get to our trivia questions, because I got to go and watch the last episode of Ozark. How's my how, gumbo chef? How's my accent? All right, last show trivia question. Only pitcher to allow 50 home runs in a season. Burt Blyleven did it in 1986. I didn't give it up more than 24 in any previous season. And Big S, that he married Burt Blyleven's daughter. My friend Big S married Burt Blyleven's daughter. Okay, today's trivia question Who is the most rushing yards by a quarterback in FBS history? Who has the most? Who has the most rushing yards by a quarterback in college football history? And that's for a season. I'm sorry, for a season. Most rushing yards by a quarterback in a season. Most rushing yards in a season by a college football quarterback in FBS. That's football bowl. Uh, football bowl subdivision. Most rushing yards by a quarterback in a season in college football history. But this is in D1. Okay? Send my left to everybody. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe and rate me on iTunes. And watch Ozark. It's really good. Tiger King, somebody else watch it. Tell me what you think. Love you. Talk to you soon.